Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Stephanie Webster, and I'm a partner in Ropes and Gray's Healthcare Practice Group. I represent a variety of hospitals, health systems, and other healthcare clients before federal agencies and in federal court on healthcare payment and compliance issues. I also generally help clients navigate ongoing developments in federal funding and reimbursement. With me today is Jane Willis, a partner in Ropes and Gray's litigation and enforcement group. Jane focuses on antitrust matters for healthcare and life sciences clients, including both litigation and mergers and acquisitions. Jane, given your expertise, I wanted to talk to you first about a request for information that CMS or the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services made this past summer that it claimed related to competition. In July, the agency issued its annual proposed rule on the hospital outpatient payment system And as always, it covered a lot of topics, and one of them is particularly relevant to your practice. The agency included in that proposed rule a so-called request for information, or RFI, uh, that it said was related to enhancing competition and transparency in the healthcare system. CMS had previously released information about mergers, acquisitions, and changes of ownership relating to nursing homes and hospitals enrolled in Medicare back in April 2022. Um, That data is gathered in CMS's PICO system, uh, which stands for the Provider Enrollment Chain and Ownership System. But now in this latest RFI, CMS asked interested third parties for feedback on how it could Uh, further use ownership data it collects to, quote-unquote, promote competition. And in particular, CMS said it wanted to know whether releasing this ownership data for other types of healthcare providers could help um, further that goal. Uh, Interestingly, in uh, the final rule on that payment system issued just this last week, the agency didn't announce any decisions that it had made in response to information uh, furnished in response to that request. It looks like many of the comments CMS received actually advocated for transparency and in particular price and charge transparency more generally. And then some others actually noted that it was other agencies job to be to be doing this. Um, ultimately, CMS said that it would just take the comments into consideration uh, down the road. Uh, so, given your experience, Jane, representing healthcare systems and, and other healthcare clients on antitrust matters, what do you make of CMS getting involved in um, the area of competition? The CMS announcement is interesting for several reasons. You know, I see this announcement as part of a broader effort by the Biden administration to ensure that all federal agencies are helping with the goal of promoting competition. Um, Last year, the Biden administration issued an executive order, which was titled um, Promoting Competition in the American Economy. And and that order instructed um, federal agencies um, across the board to issue policies that promote competition, um, not just the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice, but all federal agencies. So what we've seen is various agencies like CMS or even the Department of Treasury coming out with statements about how they are going to help promote competition. 
Um, the Treasury's Tax and Trade Bureau is, is a good example, actually. Um, they regulate alcohol sales. And that's an area where historically, uh, that regulatory effort has been less sensitive to the competitive impacts of their decisions. Um, and, and in that regard, you know, agencies that have been regulating an industry for a long time may be hesitant to change the rules or policies in a way that benefit new entrants, you know, because they are concerned about, you know, upsetting, upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, um, or upsetting, you know, established policies or established players. And that can result in regulations that basically protect, you know, established companies from competition, and that's in tension with the goals of the antitrust laws. So what you see with the CMS announcement is, is a further effort to get all federal agencies rowing in the same direction uh, in an effort to promote competition. Interesting. So do you see this uh, RFI from CMS as a, as a prelude to the Biden administration more aggressively enforcing antitrust laws in the healthcare area? Or, you know, where do you, where do you think we, um, we are in the, in the scheme of things? Well, it's certainly consistent with the ongoing effort. We, we are already seeing and have been seeing um, an increase in antitrust scrutiny in the healthcare industry. So, so the CMS request is, is you know, consistent with that. It may help us to take a step back to understand where the executive order came from and what, what these changes um, under the Biden administration, what they reflect. You know, starting in, in 2016 or so, um, a group of scholars and journalists uh, really sparked a, a new public debate about antitrust enforcement. Um, and this group of critics argued that, you know, competition in the American economy is declining and that there's higher prices and lower quality products available, you know, not, not just in, in healthcare, not just concerned about healthcare costs, but across a, a range of industries. But, but healthcare was a prominent example of a place where, you know, the healthcare costs continue to grow in the US, you know, far above the rate of inflation. These critics, which are called the new Brandeis movement, what they wanna do is reinvigorate antitrust enforcement. They wanna block more mergers and, and bring litigation. So, so what's notable about the Biden administration is that it appointed two prominent scholars from this movement um, to powerful positions that make antitrust policy. Um, those two scholars are Tim Wu and Lena Khan. Lena Khan is now the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, which is the area that the agency that reviews most hospital and physician mergers. And Tim Wu is a special assistant at the White House for Technology and Competition Policy. And Tim is really the architect of President Biden's executive order that we've been talking about. So it sounds like CMS could end up releasing more information to the extent that it believed that it pr promoted competition. But how, in your view, would that data affect competition, if at all, Jane, based on your experience? You know, probably the most significant use is that this ownership information could be used to understand how some companies have consolidated healthcare providers, you know, through smaller transactions. You know, that information is, is often public in, in some way, but piecing it together is, is can be difficult. So, by CMS making ownership readily available to the public, then you know stakeholders can more easily understand the impacts of consolidation, the impacts of, of mergers and acquisitions in the healthcare industry. And, and these stakeholders may include payers, they may include employers who have self-funded plans, they may include nurses and their advocates, you know, and such stakeholders, you know, particularly payers, often make their voices known to the federal antitrust agencies 
and state attorneys general when they are concerned about a hospital merger or health system um, further consolidating. So do you think that these third parties looking at the, the newly released data would focus on all kinds of transactions or just certain kinds? So, you know, they're both small transactions and large transactions. And, you know, I should note that large transactions have always been reported to the antitrust agencies uh, through the Hart Scott Rodino process, which is called the HSR process. And as you probably know, the HSR Act uh, establishes certain thresholds for when parties to deals need to make a filing. That threshold's currently 101 million. So if the value of the transaction exceeds 101 million, then there's automatically a filing that must be made with the antitrust agencies. And then the agencies have an opportunity to investigate if they believe that transaction threatens competition. That process has allowed the FTC which in particular reviews hospital mergers and acquisitions of physician groups, that has allowed the FTC to investigate matters before they close. And the FTC has had a fairly successful record of challenging and blocking some of the larger hospital deals in recent years. The release of this additional information could have more of an effect on smaller transactions. That's exactly right. You know, um, for smaller deals, because the deal value is below the threshold, they often aren't reported to the FTC. So the parties can close their transaction without the FTC having had a chance to investigate it. Um, and, and this is how hospitals have acquired physician groups or how physician groups have often grown larger in a given geography. Other types of small transactions include transactions among home health care providers or hospice, hospice providers or even some outpatient facilities as well. Um, and this is the type of incremental growth that's hard for the antitrust agencies to detect, you know, especially as compared to blockbuster mergers. And there's an increasing concern that health systems have grown and consolidated in ways that may be anti-competitive. So if the FTC is able to get information from stakeholders who are carefully watching smaller acquisitions and transactions, then they get a chance to investigate where they might not otherwise have been able to do so. So why doesn't CMS just make this information available to the FTC or DOJ rather than making it publicly available? You're right, Stephanie. They could just make this information directly available to the federal agencies. But I think this public availability is another significant impact of this initiative. You know, for one, I think we'll see more, more journalistic efforts to investigate and understand healthcare providers, particularly those who are owned by private investors or, or those who have been consolidating vertically. You know, there's increasingly more articles being written about consolidation in the healthcare industry. And, you know, just by way of example, a recent article in The New Yorker used CMS nursing home ownership data as a part of investigation into, you know, cost cutting um, at a privately owned nursing home chain that resulted in a COVID-19 outbreak. So I do think that, you know, journalists are interested in the healthcare area. And I do think that the publicizing by CMS of this ownership information may make these private investigations and articles like this more common. So do you think that the regulators are actually paying attention to those articles and other private investigations? I think they do. I think the antitrust agencies do pay attention to the press, particularly the healthcare press. We know, for example, that they read announcements in uh, modern healthcare about new acquisitions. And as I noted, you know, this type of information may help them decide where to focus their enforcement efforts. Um, and then also, in addition to uh, news articles, 
This information can be used by consumer groups or other advocacy organizations that study healthcare competition issues. You know, they put together industry research and make that available to to the FTC or the DOJ or gen, or the general public. So I think the additional so sources of information relating to ownership structures will aid um, the efforts by many stakeholders to study competition, and that in turn could lead them to advocate uh, for policy changes or complain to the antitrust agencies um, and, and encourage you know, greater investigation or more litigation and enforcement you know, against healthcare providers. Jane, you mentioned litigation, and I'm wondering about private litigation. Do you think that the release of this information or potential release would materially increase the the risk of litigation to healthcare providers? Well, certainly private plaintiffs, you know, whether they're consumers or small businesses or, or rival providers, they need to get the information in order to think about bringing in a private antitrust lawsuit. Um, so, so in that regard, you know, to the extent that CMS may be making more information available, it may be encouraging. It may help uh, private plaintiffs try to put together suits. Um, you know, it is the case, of course, that the majority of merger enforcement cases have been brought by the DOJ or the FTC, you know, for the last 40 years or so, especially since the HSR Act was passed and the HSR Act provides for an automatic mechanism for that type of enforcement. So the FTC and DOJ have a unique power to block mergers, but private plaintiffs have also been able to enforce the antitrust laws. Um, there's uh, Section 7 of the Clayton Act, which allows private plaintiffs to uh, try to block a merger if they believe it substantially lessens competition. So if CMS makes more ownership information available, um, that incrementally uh, could help private plaintiffs get smart about consolidation. You know, similarly, the pricing data that was recently published by CMS under the price transparency rule also provides plaintiffs with additional information on increases in prices and the, and the, the healthcare costs associated with different providers, and that, that may incentivize plaintiffs to bring more cases. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned that rule, Jane. Um, as you know, the uh, that rule that was published in 2019 required hospitals to make pricing information available including information about standard charges, uh, and that term standard charges means more than just uh, charge masters. Jane, I'm wondering what you think have been the consequences of that earlier initiative by CMS. So the price transparency rule is interesting for several reasons. Um, first, you know, traditional antitrust principles discourage companies from making their pricing public. You know, in fact, sharing competitively sensitive information like payer rates, you know, arguably could constitute unlawful information sharing and violate the antitrust laws. You know, and the reason, of course, is that by sharing sensitive information, competitors can more easily coordinate their activity or engage in price fixing. You know, so for that reason, the antitrust agencies and the courts have long frowned on the sharing of competitively sensitive information and, you know, certainly antitrust lawyers like myself have historically advised clients to be really careful about how such information gets shared. So this is really 180 degrees from that. And indeed, in recent years, the antitrust agencies have been sort of of two minds. You know, on the one hand, there's this traditional concern about sharing competitively sensitive information. But on the other hand, there's been an increasing recognition that the lack of price transparency in healthcare makes it difficult for patients to, you know, shop for healthcare services to determine where the lower cost services are being provided. You know, the DOJ has been particularly concerned 
that the lack of transparency may dampen competition. So, you know, whether whether this price transparency rule um, is effective and whether it actually is able to convey, you know, healthcare cost information in a way that can be reasonably understood by the public, um, I think that's yet to be seen. I agree, Jane, that uh, it remains to be seen how this how this will play out. Uh, in response to the latest request for comments, stakeholders, instead of talking about CMS releasing more data, actually were urging CMS to enforce the transparency rule. Uh, but at the same time, I understand that providers believe that uh, the transparency rule and its requirements really aren't going to have an effect or a positive effect on patients uh, because it's such complex information. And really, the rule has had the effect of imposing a significant burden on hospitals without really helping patients. And I wonder what what you think about that, Jane. I agree because healthcare pricing is so complicated that it's really hard for the average patient, you know, to become informed. And the burden is something I'm hearing as well that providers um, find this to be a very enormous burden to collect and publish this information when there's maybe very little benefit um, to the public. So many hospitals have found it difficult to comply with this rule, particularly in the face of COVID and all the other challenges they're facing. Well, Jane, I've really appreciated our time today. And if those listening would like more information on this topic or our healthcare or antitrust groups, please don't hesitate to contact either one of us or visit our website at ropesgray.com. You can also subscribe and listen to other Ropes and Gray podcasts wherever you regularly listen to your podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.